You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Episode of I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek Podcast. It is Chief Petty Officer Anthony Lewis and the Fleet Admiral Ben Knight. Uh, ben, no Aurora this week. Uh, we tried really hard to keep this crew together, but uh, just well, sometimes... she's stuck in a she's stuck in the transporter um, pattern buffer at the moment. I've been trying I've heard to that get happens. her out, but yeah. Um... It's all it's all got a little bit complicated, um, and the problem. It's really embarrassing. So I unplugged it because I was I just wanted some toast. Ooh. Okay, okay. All right now, okay. So it's got a little battery backup, but now it takes forever to come back online. Well, I was going to say, don't stress yourself out. For the show. I was going to say, don't stress yourself out. Uh, if you can't do it, I'm sure somebody uh, two or three hundred years in the future will find her, and they will have a fun adventure on their own podcast. Uh, where Aurora is a, a fish out of water uh, in this new time. Uh, oh, it'd be to- it'd be totes orcs if I forgot and just left it there, wouldn't it? <laughs> that would be that would be really awful, actually. Yeah, I'll try not to. I, I will. I'll I'll put a note on my pad to to go and get it back. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, yeah. So we're going to cover two episodes of Discovery, uh, episode twelve, and the penultimate episode thirteen. Let's start with episode twelve, Ben. It's called "Through the Valley of Shadows." And uh, some stuff happened in this episode. Uh, a new signal. You know those seven signals? They found a new one. I remember one. those, yeah. It, this one has appeared over Boreth, this, uh, a planet sacred to clans. Well, actually, I think it's a moon, where there is a Klingon monastery. That's no moon. Sorry, wrong show. It's a, it is no moon. It's a monastery dedicated it to is. the return of Kalas. Now, Ben, before we go further, I've hmm. heard... Tyler, Valk, a bunch of times. He says K-Lesh with an he S-H. Does. Is it K-Less or K-Lesh? It, it's an accent thing. Hmm. Um, Only the, the super-duper alien-y looking Klingons say it like that, but the well, the normal rigid-headed, long-haired Klingons <laughs> don't say it like that. This is, I, I don't know, I think this is a move into, into a thing for Star Trek because, of course... You say words differently from the way I say them, um, yeah. and we're from the same planet, so that is true. Um, that is very true. You know that 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 metal, the element beginning with A, that you can make aluminium. That'll do, yeah. Or aluminum, awesome. as we say it, here in the United States. Yeah. So why shouldn't you know people sure. say? You just popped a little Kalish, H at Kalish. the end. Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Either that, or maybe he's like when he speaks Klingon, maybe he's got a slight speech impediment. Oh, maybe. Maybe he's got like a little mm. lisp or something. That's okay. He could have. He could have. We still love you, Klingon Fandango. We do. Uh, Tyler and Lorel left their son here to be raised by the monks. Uh, that happened in a previous episode. So Pike visits the monastery because uh, he heard that you know, maybe they have a, a time crystal. Ben's favorite name in all of Star Trek. Uh, uh, but once he gets to the monastery, things are really weird, Ben. Uh, so it's kind of fucked up, isn't it, that monastery? He finds an old man monk, but the old man monk is Tyler and Lorel's son. Yep. He's a fully grown adult named uh, Tenevik. Tenevik explains that his life on Boreth is affected by the crystals, and if Pike takes one, uh, it will show him a future. Uh, but if he if he leaves it for some reason, uh, the future is changeable. But if he takes it for some other reason, uh, he will be locked into that future. And he gives him loads of chances, and he's like, I've, I don't, like, no spoilers or anything, um, Pike, but, you know, have you seen the end of Temple of Doom? <laughs> I'm, I'm just asking, you know. No, nothing? Mm. So Pike sees right. a future where he is severely disabled in an accident, uh, but chooses to take the crystal to serve the greater good. Meanwhile, Burnham and Spock investigate a Section 31 ship that had checked in ten minutes later than it was supposed to have, and find out all of the crew are dead, except for Grant. Or Gant, it's Gant. Uh, an old colleague of Burnham's from the Shenzo. Uh, but he's actually not alive either. He's been possessed by Control, and attempts to take over Burnham. Spock is able to stop Control. I don't even remember how. And uh, they... Uh, oh, he uses gravity, or some gravity plating or something to... It's like some sort of liquid goo or something. Yeah, I was about to say, it's definitely goo. Uh, uh, so they're able to stop control and escape back to Discovery, but the Section 31 fleet is coming, uh, presumably all controlled by control. Pike decides to evacuate the crew, calls in the Enterprise, and they're going to initiate the self-destruct on Discovery uh, to attempt to destroy the sphere data, which of course control is after Ben. What did you think of through the Valley of Shadows? <sighs> uh, it was a mixed bag, wasn't it? Oh um, yeah. <laughs> it. I'm, I'm just going to say, it. I, I like a convoluted plot. I like when Star Trek does its own science. I like all of these things. It's nice to nerd out and stuff. Good lord. Um, quite a lot of. Um, nonsensical plot moments in this episode. Uh, yeah. Stuff that just, you think, what? Why? Um, who? Why is he doing that? Did he? Oh, uh, I'll rewind. No, I didn't miss anything. Just made no sense. Yeah. Um, it, it seemed like, I'll tell you what the show's suffering from, and it's, it, it's because of, the, it's been suffering because of the fact that the network changed the, um, the, the episode numbers on them. They commissioned the second episode um, at the end, well, sorry, well, a final episode at the end, uh, in order to have them not have to edit the living crap out of uh, episodes 12 and 13. Mm. And boy, can you tell, because they'd <laughs> shot a lot of expensive footage mm -hmm. and jammed it all together, occasionally into what seems like a random order. Um, and what you're left with is this. So, um, <laughs> I didn't 
I didn't dislike it. Uh, some of the scenes in the monastery I quite liked, although reminded me a little bit of the scenes with the Gnome King from Return to Oz for some reason I just can't quite figure <laughs> out. Um, I, You know I'm allergic to time crystals, so this was not a good episode for me. Um, yeah. I still don't understand why Section 31's um, rogue AI wants to kill all sentient life in the galaxy, because... I'm not really sure why it wants to. Um, yeah. I mean, it was fun. It's that thing, isn't it, where you watch a TV show, you go, oh, this is glorious. It makes no sense at all. I'm just going with it. Um, yeah. But then there comes a little point where the Star Trek fan in me starts to get a little angry because I'm thinking, well, hang on a minute. This isn't... I mean, Star Trek has gloriously nonsensical moments, but this isn't... This is supposed to be a big dramatic build-up to a complicated um, season arc that I I still at this stage and it may be they're being very clever and we'll come to extend, understand it all shortly I just don't understand what on earth the point of this plot is at this stage. Yeah, I'm enjoying little set piece scenes mm-hmm. um, you know so uh, scenes with, I quite like Control, I quite like the sinister um, well two incarnations of Control you see in this episode, I quite like Burnham's performance um, uh, you know um there's a, there's a lot of Spock in this episode. I'm now pretty much entirely accepting of Spock, uh, which mm-hmm. is no bad thing. I feel like we've lost sight of some of the other bridge characters a little bit in this episode, and I in the next one they try and grab some of that back, and it doesn't quite work for me because it all feels a bit like they've gone. Oh yeah, yeah. Sorry, we were telling you about these guys. Yeah. Which you know. Um, uh, yeah. Where were we? Uh... Yeah. I'd like to care more about this about this crew. And it seems weird to be two series into or two seasons into a show, and not really know that much about mm-hmm. the crew. So I hope next uh, season they mm-hmm. try to do less season-long arcs and more yeah. individual episodes. I'm fine with two parters. I mean, some of the yep. best Star Trek ever made has been two parters, or even three. But like, yeah, let's do some in-between character stuff. Yeah, and we we had little hints of it during the course of the season, but I found myself scratching around to remember names of bridge crew that we'd met a bunch of times. Yeah, and that to me says that the writers haven't quite reinforced that. And looking at the chain of writers on this show, it does seem that that's because um, the showrunner isn't ensuring that the B plots are doing enough to reinforce the um, character development, yeah. or, or at least character investment, anyway. Uh, and that that feels like the showrunner perhaps needs to get a bit of a tighter grip at this stage and just say, well, hang on a minute, yeah, you, you know, here's the big stories. I want to take the the B plots and just make sure that everyone knows who everyone is and and why they're here. Yeah. So I, I I liked it visually. This episode, incidentally, was stunning. Although the visual moment of the season comes for me in the next episode. Um, mm. This was it was it was good fun. It was it it felt and look beautiful but I ugh, I just find myself I found myself checking my phone we do this test don't we occasionally on oh, yeah. Who Made Who of, was this an episode where I picked up my phone a bunch of times just to kind of read Twitter or whatever mm. yeah this one was and it, it it shouldn't have been and I don't really understand what went wrong for me for this I like okay so last week or I shouldn't say last week because we skipped a week, but on the last episode we're, of the... We're in timeless podcast land as well. Yeah, 20 on, minutes ago. On the last yeah. episode of the podcast, uh, I 
made no bones about how I just wasn't liking where this was going uh, in per- Perpetual Infinity. Uh, mm. I believe I said something along the lines of, I just don't like this shit, I think, quote unquote. Yeah, that sounds about right. Uh, you guys had some fun at my expense. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Uh, and I Nobody was more stunned than me that I was not into it because I was kind of into this show. Hmm. Up until the up until that point, uh, it continued for me in episode twelve. Here, I liked one thing in this episode, Ben, and mm. it was that they they refabricated it a little bit, but they basically put Pike in his shitty wheelchair with the beeps. Yeah, I thought that was actually a really good job. Uh, I I thought it looked excellent. And I'm like, oh my god, it's the wheelchair. I can't believe they put it in here. And they sure did. And he was horrified, uh, Pike was, to see the the kind of shoddy uh, medical equipment he will be subjected to in the future. Stunned by this. Maybe he was stunned by his... This is what Starfleet medical insurance will get you, though. Yeah. Maybe, (laughs) Maybe he was stunned by his melting face, but I'd like to think it was like he just couldn't believe it, the wheelchair that they put him in. Uh, it's ridiculous. He's uh, he's gonna be. It is an pretty poor. Yeah, it's yeah. a pretty poor wheelchair. But it looks like a it looks like a bath chair. Those things that like are advertised really late at night on TV. It's like a sauna. Yeah, it's like a personal sauna or something. Yeah, uh, I don't know. That's it. I didn't really care <laughs> for anything else in this episode. They got to the monastery because I'm like, okay, Boreth. I know Boreth. I saw that episode of TNG where Worf goes there and he sees a vision of Kalos slash Kalish. And it's, you know, a fake Kalos and it's, these people are desperate to try to bring the Klingon people back together. So they fabricated essentially a deity. Uh, it was a very interesting episode, uh, talking about, uh, faith and things like that. They go here and, Vok goes out of his way to be like, yeah, it's a Klingon mon- monastery dedicated to, like, the return of Kalos. Yeah. Well, then they get there, they're like, I- actually, no, we maybe do that, but really, we have a bunch of time crystals, and time moves differently here, and I was a baby, like, a few months ago, and they brought me here, but now I'm an old man. I was like, this whole thing happened. What is happening? And yeah. how how come it's not that in TNG? Did Did all of their time crystals go away? Does time not move differently there now? Uh, what or or maybe, uh, maybe Ben, time does move faster there, and they just didn't tell us. And that old man that brought Kalis back to life was really Worf's son, but they just didn't tell us that. Uh, although yeah. I highly doubt it. I feel like they just combined a thing that they wanted to do in this story with a name that people would recognize. And yeah, that's I've, kind of I've, I did look up the point about the pronunciation. Oh, did um, you? Okay. And members of House Cole are, um, f- they, they have a slightly different accent. Well, there you go, um, everybody. They put more emphasis, it's designed so they put more emphasis on the guttural sounds. Mm. Uh, where was I reading? I've lost, I've now lost the bit I was reading. But yeah, it, it is recognized in the Klingon dictionary as having different pronunciations according to different um, accents and dialects. Well, that is far more interesting than Time Crystal Boreth. So, well, apparently, members of House Tukuvna speak with very precise enunciation as well. Hmm. 
And so they're like so there you go. proper British people. Uh, yeah, and, uh, members of House of Mackay have very distinct pronunciation of fully um, enunciated. Ah, so, so the, it's the House of Mackay who say Kalesh. Ah, okay. Um, yeah, I wonder if so, that's a hint because Volk was son of none. So, but Indeed. I wonder, but that's only because of his abandonment. I wonder if so his parents were Mackay. Yeah, must be. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Maybe we've in this model of nonsense we've maybe we have stumbled across a piece of information far more interesting than what happened in this episode <laughs> uh yeah like the b plot with burnham and spock or although i don't know maybe the pike stuff was the b plot this felt like two b plots in one <laughs> episode in one episode uh, this just but was that's what i mean about the editing though is it feels like this is a lot of stuff that perhaps would not have made it into um, yeah. This season, if it had been its original length, a lot of this would have been trimmed out. I think. Well, they needed a time crystal because they got to try to find a way to get this sphere data out of the present time or whatever. But so I, I understand that, but I just uh, this just didn't do it for me. I mean, uh, shift delete seems like a mm. way forward. What, um, did, what did you think, of, Ben? What would you give this episode if you have, unless you have any other thoughts on? No. It? Uh, I guess something like ah, it's probably about a three and a half for me. Maybe maybe a three and a quarter actually. I think it gave last the last episode a two and a half. Yeah, you hammered last week's. Yeah, same. Or whatever week it was that people listened. Yes. Yeah. Uh, same two and a half for this week. Mm-hmm. Unimpressed with this and where it is going. Uh, I'm far I'm far more with you on this one. Although I did quite like. Um, Pike's starfleet issued uh, coat when he goes to the planet. Yeah. I need to get more and, of this. Well, and you you said you enjoyed some of the stuff with Spock and and Michael and stuff with yeah. uh, control far more than I did. I think we can mm-hmm. safely say. Uh, okay, so before we talk about the next episode, we have a new but also <laughs> old sponsor. Is it these people who do mattresses? No, 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 cool. it's not. We don't have uh, whatever. We don't have purple mattress as a as a sponsor. It's is our, it audible? No, it's our old friends at ThinkGeek, Ben. Oh, yay! We're back we with ThinkGeek. Think it was fun. I haven't done any prep for this, so I'm not going to do one now. No, they that's fun. A, no, that's okay. But uh, I do have a ThinkGeek uh, Star Trek-inspired item uh, this week. I'm looking at the Star Trek Next Generation Corridor Door Cover. Just basically like a big Ooh. laminate thing you put on your door to make it look like the corridor of the TNG Enterprise is just outside of your wall, which... No, I won't lie. I drink, so that would probably end up with head injuries. <laughs> let, me tell, let, me, let me tell you something, folks. I think, mm. and right now it's currently on sale for nineteen ninety nine American. Uh, I would want this in my room. Mainly to give myself the illusion that outside of the walls is some mystical, magical, action-packed adventure awaiting uh instead of the Robinson. actual answer which is the dull boring michigan. drab michigan <laughs> uh moment i i would say pick this up and momentarily trick yourself that you're not leading a boring work-filled tiresome day instead momentarily trick yourself into thinking that you're on a, a giant space adventure uh cinemageekly.com slash trek ben and listeners uh, will take you to Think Geek, uh, specifically to 
all of their wonderful Star Trek merchandise. You pick that up. Uh, you so, get something awesome. We get something in return. Everybody wait, wins. I didn't get a chance to write that down. What was that address again? Simmageekly.com <clears throat> slash Trek. Really easy. I thought about maybe and making it Star Trek, but... If you live outside the U.S., you can also buy things from um, uh, our glorious sponsor, but uh, it takes quite a long time to get there. But it they does. do have that service now. It does. That has not changed. That hasn't gotten better. It hasn't gotten better, as far as we know. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about episode 13 of Discovery. Such sweet sorrow. Uh, So, the Enterprise has showed up, everybody, and the Discovery crew begins to evacuate. Uh, But the Sphere Data takes over control of Discovery's systems to preserve itself. Self-destruct, photon torpedoes, none of this stuff damages Discovery, let alone destroys it. Uh, mm-hmm. With Control Leland soon to arrive with superior forces, Michael realizes the only hope of destroying the sphere data is for her to take it into the future using the power of the time crystal, but it means a one-way trip. End of part one of a two-parter, Ben. Uh, really not a lot else happened in this episode. That is true. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, much to my surprise, I enjoyed it much more than the last two episodes. <laughs> uh, so what did you think of Such Sweet Sorrow? Uh, let's just get it out there. Let's talk about the Bridge of the Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Um, they showed it to us. They did. And I'm going to say they nailed it. Mm-hmm. And I was not expecting that. No. Uh, okay, so we've obviously seen the mapping on the outside of the um, the Enterprise model before uh in fact going back as far as the end of season one technically and so obviously that's had a slight tweak i think i've always felt it's been a fairly sympathetic tweak that it's had and and that's nice um the bridge obviously you can't go back to jellybean bridge entirely no Um, although they do have uh panels of those on the main bridge yeah. They do. Uh, and uh, again, they've been given just enough of a tweak to make you think, yeah, all right. Um, mm-hmm. I like the look of it. It all feels clean. I like the fact they scaled the bridge size down because one of the slightly odd things about um, uh, the Federation ships is the massive disparity in bridge sizes between them. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I as far as... As far well, as... they put an establishing shot, didn't they, where yeah. you've got Discovery next to the Enterprise and you see that Discovery is much a larger. much bigger ship. Yeah, yeah. So it, it makes sense in that regard. But um, So bridges are to scale with the ship, which is fine. Yeah. But the... Um, this is actually the whole... a much... This is actually a bigger bridge than the actual TOS bridge is. But... It is, yeah. So if but you're it's, looking... It's not, it's not like disproportionately huge. It, it's no. It's not... You know, it feels more like... If you're if you're an original series fan who never really got into anything thereafter, and you come to Discovery, which is an odd route for you, it feels like the you... size of the set they would have made had they had the budget for it. Oh, for sure, I and, think, and the technology on the bridge is what it would have been had they had the budget for it as well. I think yeah. it is sympathetic in terms of um, the original aesthetic, without over you know there's no sign of any um, Abrams uh, universe kind of uh, sort of semi-transparent monitors and and all of that you know that's all gone it's been swept away for a bridge you would recognize immediately as being um the bridge of the enterprise Mm -hmm. and lots of other little bits as well so they've taken weird 
yeah, and the the kind of um, the panels in the uh, turbo lifts, which were at the time made with this kind of foil and glass thing in the yeah. uh, 60s and were super futuristic. Now it looks like every kind of slightly shitty office building you've ever been where they've got, um, you know, some sort of textured glass uh, back panel on the stairwell or something. Um, so it all it all makes sense the way they've done that bridge. The uniforms have been given a slight tweak as well. Mm-hmm. And but they look again, good. They, they look fantastic. Um, I... I really like the Enterprise in Discovery. Uh, it's a shame we won't be seeing too much more of it, but um, I have a it, theory. Oh, but yeah? we'll get. Oh, but I'll, let me, I'll, I'll get to it after we talk about the episode in general. But and by the okay. way, apparently the dedication plaque uh, mm-hmm. does say Starship class, just like on in the yeah. cage or in TOS. Even though everybody knows that it's a Constitution class vessel. But yeah. you know that sort of stuff wasn't derived until much later on in the run of of Star Trek fandom. Uh, well, they reclassify them. I can sure. probably just about live with that. Uh, I knew. I like... uh, Sorry, go oh, I was going to say if we're talking about the bridge, I had a feeling they were going to nail it when they were in the corridors and they had the corridors yeah. wedged with like the reddish orange fencing. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of dead on to like the original design like it's definitely evocative of you it. know who doesn't love that though hmm. emperor joju not a fan oh no she hated the not color a fan. orange really Ugh. yeah it's not drab um, enough she's from the mirror universe no. she she likes things black and shiny and sexy mm-hmm. um because that's how terran uh emperors like things mm-hmm. uh, and they like cheeky winks from uh anson mount when they <laughs> they're from a parallel universe <laughs> Um, this episode was a lot of fun, actually. I I enjoyed talking to Joshi, uh f- fantastic moments in this episode. Anson Mount um, going out on, uh, I think, a bit of a high across the course of this double episode. Uh, I think he's been really good. Uh, I've, I've really enjoyed him as Pike, actually. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, you know, that that's probably going to be the end of him at the end of this season. But um, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, not, he's, he's not coming fun. back. Um, no. Or at least he's not coming back for next season. Maybe that's not like a no. never coming back. Uh, we may see him again. We may see the Enterprise again, which you have a theory about. Yeah, I only have. I only thought there was only one thing in this episode that I actually wasn't a fan of, uh, mm. and it just happened right away when they're like, "Okay, we gotta evacuate." I thought the evacuation tunnel animation thing looked really cartoony. It was ropey, wasn't it? Like, but I'm just, guessing that was an added scene. Yeah, it's just like unfolding and unfolding and unfolding and unfolding. It felt like something like out of a Tim Burton movie. Mm-hmm. I was expecting it to end in like a big curl or something. And then Helena Bonham Carter would appear. Yeah, I mean, I like yeah. the I like the idea of them being kind of a hollow shell walkway that are then, uh, you know, protected by force, force fields, fields essentially. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I get it. I think I would have liked it better if they'd just been tubes that just slid you'd have out to have, in a straight line. But did you not think you'd have to have balls of steel to walk through one of those without a spacesuit? Yeah. <laughs> like, I was looking at that terrifying. and thinking, oh yeah. So section thirty-one is going to turn up any second. Yeah. But why don't you walk away this uh, across this unnecessarily long walkway? It felt where like just a force field. Yes. It felt like the the space version of like walking on a a rope bridge across a chasm. Yeah. Except yeah. this chasm is the vacuum of space. With the Maybe that's why they all wanted to stay on Discovery. They're like, I'm not walking over there. 
Fuck that. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, uh, Michael gets like a vision of she's the one who kind of decides, comes up with this whole, um, whole plan of let's use the time crystal to like obviously the sphere isn't gonna let discovery be destroyed. So this is one of the things that I, I actually flipped out about this episode. If I stop thinking about control, if I don't <laughs> think about any of that, and I'm just thinking like. I mean, I know that's got to be there because why else, there's no other reason why they'd want to do this time travel-y stuff in the first place. Uh, but Although, I think we have proved that I was right about the fact that this is going to end with Burnham writing herself out of history. Quite possibly, right? They're talking about it being yeah. a one-way trip. Uh, which does seem odd because she is supposed to be the lead of this show, which would mean next season there'd be a different lead, which seems odd. But... Oh, I don't, I don't think she's going to write herself out yet, but I think this is all ultimately. foreshadowing how she ultimately goes. Yeah, ah, okay. Uh, so I wasn't thinking about control and how much I don't like that part of the story. What I actually got excited about was first when they show the previously on Star Trek discovery, they hearken back to the first Trek short. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh man, this is like the second Trek oh, yeah. short that they referenced. And they brought, and they brought Poe back, which she's fun. Tinky Winky uh, and Lala were not there, but that's because their <laughs> agents aren't as good. No. Uh, in fact, I liked all of that when uh, Pike goes to greet her as like the diplomat because she's like the queen of her planet. He goes to greet her all diplomatically, and uh, Tilly! Uh, Tilly just brings ice cream, and she's like, "Ah, oh, Tilly!" And Pike's like, uh, uh, "It's a, a, a pleasure to." And to the meet you. shade she threw at Georgie. I don't remember what she. I don't remember the scene. What was uh, the scene? So Georgie says something. I can't remember what she says. She says something pretty obnoxious to her while she stood there while, while she's still eating her ice cream, mm-hmm. and she basically says, "Yeah, one of the advantages of basically being, you know, who I am and um, having, you know, this kind of most oh, crucial means I don't have life. to listen blah, 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 to you blah. or whatever. I don't have to put up with any snark. Yeah, and don't, so I don't. And as she walks past, she goes, "It's actually a law." Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I liked it. Uh, she was a lot of fun. Uh, but furthermore, when uh, all this stuff happens, when it becomes obvious that the sphere will not allow itself to be destroyed, Burnham's like, okay, we know that my signature was still found with the Red Angel time suit thingy. Somewhere Hugh was going, ha, told you. <laughs> After I gave him some shit a few episodes ago. Like we, like, so we know this. So I, we don't know why I'm leaving these seven signals yet, but we know that I must be doing it. And I don't have, uh, like a red angel suit or anything. Are they trying to build one? I don't remember. I think they are. They're trying to build a suit. Yes, they are. And her idea is I'm just going to take the ship with me. We'll eventually we'll abandon the ship. And we'll take it with me. And I'm like, oh my god, they're tying in to that Star Trek short that I didn't mm-hmm. think, like, they could possibly tie into anything. Like, but, sh- but she's not the person who's on that ship in the future. It makes perfect sense that with the with the sphere data, that the computer on the ship would eventually become sentient. Uh, like, what ha- like you know, as we learn about in that... And would start playing old movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it'll be very lonely, uh, so it doesn't sure. it doesn't have much else to do except watch movies, which is what I would do if I was left alone in yeah. such a manner. Um, but that makes some sense, 
And also this sort of formed this theory that I had, because they talked about, there was a lot talking about the Enterprise set. Mm. And they wanted to make it very clear that this is not a redress of any previous sets. This was a brand new set they built on a different soundstage. Just, you know, and I'm like, just for this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, so maybe what if she drags Discovery, uh, poof, uh, it's gone. She drags it into the future to keep it away from control, and that's it. No more Discovery, but what if they maybe uh, take an old Constitution class and rechristen that Discovery, and the show now takes place on a Constitution class ship? They reuse the bridge that they've just built. It's a gorgeous-looking bridge. It is. Uh, it seems like it could make sense, I think. I mean, why? and why would you go to all that? I mean, I know you could make the argument that it's the Enterprise Bridge, so we didn't want to just redress a set we already had. Uh, you could make the argument that, like, we hold the Enterprise Bridge in such reverence that we needed to build, we needed to build it its own set. But... That's also a lot of work to go through for, like, one... Ah, screw that. It's money and time, which is yeah, what really counts. A lot of TV. money and time in a television show, yeah. right. In a movie, yeah. it's a different thing. In a, but in a TV show, that's a lot of money and time for mm. a couple of scenes in a couple of episodes. Uh, if they're going to use this as the set going forward and put the ship, you know, put the ship on, like, a Constitution class or something akin to that, mm. um, no, it's just a theory, but... I quite like the theory because I think that would I think that would force somehow in the writing us to get to know the crew a little better actually mm-hmm. um, a little more cramped a little a little smaller and a little bit less magic wand kind of poof and we're we've suddenly disappeared to a different part of the galaxy because the only ship we've... with spore drive capabilities is now gone and although although we don't like causing pollution by driving through the spore um, drive system yeah. we're gonna do it when we have to so yeah yeah maybe. Maybe. It would be a way to kind of wave your hand and kind of get rid of all of those things. So, it's mm. possible. I don't hate that as an idea. Yeah, so this was obviously just the first part of a two-parter, but I like this a lot more. Maybe because there was just no control stuff happening in it, and it didn't force mm. me to think about, like, any of that story. There was no weird time crystal stuff, other than the fact that the time mm. crystal was in here. Now, there is a scene, right, where they are trying to, like, push the time crystal to do its thing faster because uh, it's going too slow. And, the irony. And they're like, okay, well, we can't open it. Of course, time it's time is not moving fast enough for them. Uh, and it was like the, Tilly and Stamets and uh, Jet Reno were trying to determine how, you know, how we could maybe go about doing this to make it faster, but there's no other way to do it without kind of letting the time crystal energy spill out everywhere and anybody would be in the room would basically get like future knowledge dumped into their brain and mm-hmm. they don't want to do this but Jet Reno's like I'll do it so clear she she sees stuff some of the stuff that Michael saw um so they they are hinting at something happening here but I'm not sure what exactly uh they have described the finale the basically these last two episodes combined as utterly bananas, so we'll yeah. see. Uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, Did you? 
what did you make of the heartstrings moments? So we had uh, the crew all stepping up, including some that we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but everyone, uh, but the the big um, the goodbye to between... Captain Pike. Or... Well, there's that, but I was thinking more the scene between Burnham and um, Klingon Fandango when they realise that their paths are going in different directions uh... at this point. That was a that was a big emotional moment. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I thought I don't think I have enough time invested into the relationship to care as much as she does. No, I mean, I th- again, that's a casualty of, of of not being able to build these relationships in this show. But yeah, um, I thought Jet Reno deserves uh, honorable mention. I thought she was great episode. in this episode, taking the time. And uh, the thing that I have, uh, you see, that's interesting as well because uh, of all of the other um, crew. Her and Stamets and Hugh are probably, and Saru obviously, are the ones who immediately jump into my brain as being people. Now, okay, so Stamets and Hugh and Saru have all had kind of, you know, a a plot um, arcs. Yeah. Uh, Jet hasn't, and the fact that so very quickly I am conscious of Jet Reno, mm-hmm. um, I think is a very good sign. If I were looking to incorporate a character as for example you know um you know in the traditional role that the engineer chief engineer has always had in star trek shows that is to say you know front and center um member of the the sort of on-screen crew if you like yeah uh, it's it's a big sign to me that yeah they've got that bit of casting right mm-hmm. i think so yeah i think she's awesome and i hope she i mean right now she's listed as recurring uh, yeah. I hope she becomes a main cast member next season. I don't know if that's the plan, uh, but I hope I, she I don't know either, but I, I do. I mean, this episode shuffling pieces into place for um, the <laughs> pretty Route 1 uh, explanation that we're, we're ready for a battle now. So we're, in the next episode, though, we've got to deal with whatever... Well, we're going to deal with this battle, first of all. We've got to deal with control. We've got to deal with what the seven signals are and why and yep. so on and how to get rid of Discovery, and how to um, perhaps square a few of the circles that we've got ourselves into during the course of two seasons. There's a lot to do in uh, like an hour's worth of television. Yeah, um, a bunch. And and somehow we've got to give a shit about all of the people involved in it. Um, that's a big ask for an hour of television, but it is. it is something that Star Trek historically has always done well. It's one of the reasons why um, those people who are working nine to five over at the Orville are—that's a, that's a joke for people who watch the Orville this week—are uh, are, are, are nailing it as well because they've got fifty minutes, and in fifty minutes they're following the old TNG um, and original series uh, Star Trek sort of methodology, of being able to somehow get a, a detailed story with a start, middle, and end into into one episode while still running a simultaneous B-plot. Um, this is the danger of huge story arcs. If you bunch up that story and, you know, have any filler episodes or anything else, you've suddenly got an hour to do all the work. Mm-hmm. And I hope this season goes out on a massive, massive bang. Um, there'll be parts of the narrative which I suspect will fizzle, and I guess we'll just have to suck that up, but I don't want this next episode just to be an experiment in um, latex and effects. I want this to be um, 
something that keeps people watching in the same way that the end of season one did. Yeah, I'm just I I just don't know. There's a lot to do here. Uh, and what of Spock? Are we going to lose mm-hmm. him at the same time as we lose uh, Pike? I suspect not. But um, there's a lot to do, isn't there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, they have noted that uh, I'm, they said that everything, all the mysteries or whatever from the season are going to be answered in a satisfying way. So, mm-hmm. or at least what they say, or you know, what they feel is a satisfying way. Uh, I was about to say I read that I read that same interview. Yeah. Um hopefully that'll be the case. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know uh I mean I we'll have to wait to see how it all ends, but uh so far I'm okay with things. Like this is not like the worst season of Star Trek I've ever watched. Uh, no, because Enterprise will forever hold that somewhere in its history, I'd imagine. Uh, like season two of Enterprise or yeah. season three of the original series was pretty rough. Mm-hmm. The first season yeah. of Next Gen was pretty rough. Uh, yeah. You know, they're they're in there. They're, there are moments. Uh, so, uh, did you... Did you I, was pres- I was perusing over this interview. Did you give a score? Uh, I didn't. I was about to say, I, as a fellow podcast producer, I recognize the sound of someone Googling. Yeah, um, yeah uh, I didn't give it a story yet. I would say purely for its enjoyment factor, and it gets a big get-out-of-jail-free card for the aesthetic of the Enterprise Bridge. Mm-hmm. It's going to scrape a four. Um, okay. It deserves a three and three-quarters. It's going to scrape a four from me, but... Um, this is I, I'm giving them some slack as well from the fact that I know that this was not the way it was originally supposed to be aired. No, this was supposed to be one episode. Yeah, so they're getting a little bit of slack from me from that too. Well, uh, it's a good thing I'm here to save the day because I gave this one three and three quarters. Uh, there you go. A big improvement from the last two episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so now that we're done here, head on over to the website uh, where you can check out the archives of the show and you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Google Play and Stitcher just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast, and hit subscribe. Go watch the Orville as well. Oh yeah, we haven't we haven't even talked about Orville. Uh, it's they been are a little bit. Nailing it. Orville's been great. This last episode of the Orville with the Dolly Parton references, I won't ruin it beyond that if you haven't seen it, folks. But also great. Oh, so good, so good. Uh, yeah, and boy, have they taken that one episode with um with Bordas's uh, daughter turning yes. into his son. Boy, have they turned that into just a bunch of amazing character development and holy yeah. cow, what a great show. And I should point out, we should point out for the record, because I sent this to to Ben uh, in our in our chat, but uh, the interview from Seth MacFarlane, which basically proved Ben's theory correct, that Seth MacFarlane sort of entered into getting to do this show by essentially calling it a comedy, but that he secretly really just wanted to make a science fiction show. And it's basically morphed into that. Um, Mm -hmm. It's got a couple of jokes, but they are much better weaved into the story than they were in the earlier episodes of season one. Yeah, Uh, definitely. They do such a much more adept job of doing it. So Uh, watch that show for sure. And also uh, don't forget to complain to Fox 
that they are not releasing this show on home media other than DVD, which is Ooh. boggling to my mind, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, okay, so... Anyway, do all of those things I said before about watching Orville and subscribing to the podcast, and that way you can come back next week. Hopefully we will get Aurora's pattern out of uh, the transporter, uh, presuming the battery life is still good. I, there's a whole bunch of patterns in here. Sorry, I was doing that while you were talking. Um, there's more than one. Enough, but Hopefully we I, found the right I've one. Got, I've got a cheese toasty. I don't know why anyone just, was transporting that. Just start, resol- um, just start resolving all of them. By next week, we should have Aurora out of there. This, this, cheese, this cheese is all off. How did it go off? It's been in a transport. <laughs> Sorry, you guys carry on. I just need to go and fix this. Yeah. Uh, so you can hopefully join all of us uh, next week when we discuss Star Trek Discovery Season 2, Episode 14, the finale, Such Ow. Sweet Sorrow, Part 2. Hot, 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 hot. Ow, 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 ow.